You're listening to a 95 BFM podcast. No guards, no masters, only helpful advice. It's Red Dead Redemption with Auckland Union representative Justine Sachs. Kia ora Justine, how are you this morning? Kia ora Rach, I'm good thanks. It's good to speak with you today and talk all things union uh, with you and get into some of these listener questions that we've had come in over the last fortnight. Starting with somebody who says that they're a tutor for a company uh, and they have to drive to clients' houses, are they entitled to fuel costs? Uh, Sometimes they're really far away and it's starting to add up. So um, this is uh, a bit of a funny question because I actually did this as well. Um, I was a tutor with a company and drove to a lot of students' houses that were very far away and I thought, um, you know, similar questions. To answer your question, um, Texter, basically it's it, it's not a hard and fast rule. So I would firstly like, the first thing to do in these situations is to check your contract to see if there is a clause about travel reimbursement. Mm. There should be. There should be something, even if it's to say that, you know, it won't be reimbursed. Um, companies that don't reimburse travel, it's, it's really a it's really bad form. Um, essentially, it's a tax deductible. Businesses can claim it as an expense. There's really no reason why anyone should be traveling at their own cost for work um, during work time. So I would definitely raise it with them. It's not a it's not like a big yeah it, it really isn't a difficult thing for them and they'd absolutely be able to yeah to to claim that as a, as a business expense and they should be doing that in the first place so um check your contract raise it with your employer um and be aware that it's a tax deductible so um it's it's really bad form when they don't offer that because yeah it's pretty straightforward yeah. for them to claim that Totally. Good to know. Uh, what else have we got, Stella? Someone's texted in, my contract has me at a flat rate for the work that I do, but I'm starting to notice that the tasks I get given are amounting to more work than the flat rate seems fair for. Is there a good way to go about negotiating hourly pay instead of a set rate? So there's uh, the art of negotiation, you know, is a tricky one. And I, um, I have confidence that, you know, any person who kind of knows their work and knows their work can have a good conversation with their boss yeah in which you know you can sort of state your case but just in terms of like how you kind of create a case right to talk about a raise um it's really documenting your work so if you um if you think it's like if it's easier for you i think you know documenting it on an hourly basis and having some evidence to kind of say look you know this is how long this amount of work is taking um, and you've done that for a period of time, so you can show that over time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I might, you know, do some kind of timesheet or something like that, just documenting how long the work is taking. Um, I think, you know, again, uh, paying at a flat rate, not best practice. The hourly rate um, is, is really, you know, the best way to go so that people are fairly compensated. Because, you know, if, if you're paid uh, for 20 hours and your work takes 35 you are being paid below the minimum wage and you aren't, you know, you aren't, you shouldn't ever work beyond um, the, the set, you know, work that you're given. So that's another way to kind of have that conversation of saying, well, actually, you know, here is what I'm doing, here's how long it's taking. I can't go over, um, you know, what I'm being paid for. So I'm just going to stick to that, to, you know, what what is fair. And so that means you're going to get less. So you might want to increase that rate so I can do it in the time necessary. So, you know, that might be um, one way to approach it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, we've just had a text come through from someone who says, hey, Justine, hospo worker here. How do I get my colleagues interested in unionising? We have a high turnover of young people, students and casual staff. So getting people invested is pretty hard work, but have you got any tips? Um, really good question. And I mean, that's one of the major reasons that it's, di- it's been difficult to unionise hospo. Um, because you know there is high turnover and people are kind of going from job to job or you know traveling and et cetera et cetera. Um, I think uh, it's about respect at work. It's a, you know I think hospo is one of those jobs where um, often workers just aren't treated with respect, um, and it's the bare minimum. And we need to create standards across the the sector, not just you know. So even if you're not going to be in a place for um, you know for a long time, you can join a union and stay at that union. It doesn't have to be tied to your job. Um, you know, so if you're if you're in hospital, there's hospital unions that you can just be a member of, and if you you know have different hospital jobs, they can help assist you in the case that something goes wrong and kind of mm. help help us create a culture of respect. The other thing is that if the election doesn't go terribly <laughs> for for unions, and that means that a progressive government is re-elected, we're going to have fair pay agreements in hospitality. So that means we're going to set we're going to be able to bargain across hospitality for minimum uh, wages and terms and conditions. So that means that it doesn't matter which where you work in hospitality and whether you you know are you know work someplace for three months and six months. You know, like you don't have a steady kind of gig for a long time. You can be a member of a union and you can be part of that union and engage in that union across the sector. So um, that's going to be a big boon for, for unions and hospitality because um, it's going to make it a lot easier. Um, you know, because it's at the moment it is tough to for a union to sort of organise one work. Uh, place at a time if you can kind of understand because there's a lot of hospitality workplaces um so yeah so i'm kind of that's another thing just to keep in mind that something that's at stake for the election which i'm really hoping we don't lose fair pay agreements because they're like one of the most important uh reforms for workers in favor of workers in like 40 years so, yep. <laughs> we've we've also got one that's come in from someone, uh, Justine, who wants to know about their boss making some disparaging remarks about staff being members of a union. I think I already know the answer to this one, uh, but are they allowed to outwardly disprove of people in the workplace being part of a union? So joining a union is um, recognised as a human right, yeah, and being discriminated on the basis of being a, a union member is discrimination and it's absolutely illegal if that occurs you have a personal grievance you know you have a legal claim against an employer so um the employer really should refrain from speaking about unions at all i would absolutely say that disparaging unions in front of um their employees could you know definitely veers into that territory uh so dangerous territory for the boss (laughs) If there's a strong union, uh, you know, if there are strong union members at the site, I would say just, um, you know, reminding them of that fact will uh, stop that real quick. Mm, yeah, totally. Uh, thank you very much, Justine. Lots to think on there, lots to get stuck into always when we start talking about people's rights at work. And um, we really appreciate your time. Take care. My and pleasure. We will talk to you again in a fortnight. Sounds good. Cheers. Kia ora. Bye, guys. Yeah. Take that, the man. Red Dead Redemption with Auckland Union representative Justine Sachs. That was a 95BFM podcast. Support 95BFM with a B-card. Go to 95BFM.com slash sign up.